Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Hey, and thanks for listening in to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr., and I'm pleased to be joined by Reverend David Petty. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, David is pastor at Meeker United Methodist Church in Meeker, Colorado. So that's kind of like what? Southwest mountains? What? Where are you at geographically? Northwest, Northwest Colorado. About an hour and a half from Wyoming and about an hour and a half from Utah. Boy, my geography is terrible. <laughs> all good i didn't know where meeker was until i moved here so what do people do in meeker uh there's a lot of hunting and fishing uh, a lot of ranching and wildlife um we're kind of near the uh flat tops wilderness which is the birthplace of the wilderness movement um so if you're interested in the great outdoors and seeing untouched wilderness um we're known for that we've got about uh, 2,000 people here in the town and about 40,000 deer and elk. Uh, so it's wow. like a great place to go if you like the outdoors. Yeah, and they'd bring my grandfather's hunting rifle come up there. Well, tell us about yourself, um, how you got into this, I guess. Yeah, so um, so I grew up in the church. Uh, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, there's kind of not a – not an option. Uh, you grow up in the church, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And for a long time, um, I really kind of strayed away from the idea of ever being in ministry. Um, uh, I like to tell people, you know, as a kid, I got to see how the sausage was made and, uh, yeah. and I got to see all of the best and worst of, of church behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I really never considered, uh, ministry as a, an option. Um, but it wasn't until later that I got into professional, you know, life. I was a, a marketing professional doing uh, web and video marketing and, you know, kind of started to realize that the, the sales and marketing, um, aspect of corporate world, um, always seeking the best bottom line, uh, even if the ethics weren't quite in line with that, yeah. uh, didn't really line up with my personal values. Um, and so that's when I really took a deep dive into my, into myself and said, okay, what, what am I good at? Um, where is God calling me to be uh, using these skills? And when I took a, a kind of personal assessment of the skills that I had, uh, the only thing that came up was like, I have too many weird random skills that don't make any sense in any other, any other context other than ministry, but these are all useful skills in ministry. Um, and I think my values would be more better served in ministry. And I think I've been called to ministry for a long time hmm. uh, and I've just been running away. So, so one Sunday, my uh, church asked me to guest preach uh -huh. and I guest preached there and a lady came up and told me that she thought that I really missed my calling um, wow. into ministry. And I thought, well, gosh, I'm 27 years old. What do you mean? I missed it. It's, you know, um, and that's when I really started considering it more. Um, so my wife and kids got behind me full time and um, we moved to Colorado, decided to jump in uh, all the way. And then yeah. they sent me to Meeker because the Methodist church is an appointive system. Yeah. And so they called me up and said, hey, we want you to take a church in Meeker. And I said, where's that? <laughs> so here you are. And, and now here I am. A question I ask our guests often is like, if something's changed for you and what it's like your kind of path of being a follower of Jesus, does anything look different now than your childhood perhaps, or your young being a young adult? Absolutely. Um, I think when I was a kid, I didn't question things. Mm. Um, you know, people tell you about Noah's Ark and you just, you take it, you know, at face value. Yeah. There's yeah. okay. Two animals, Moses uh, or Noah, not Moses. <laughs> Moses didn't have an ark. Actually, funny story. Moses did have an ark. Uh, it says in the in the scripture that I was the lectionary scripture last week that uh, he's in the baby basket boat, and it's the same word used there in the original Hebrew as the word for Noah's ark. So Moses oh. shows up in an ark uh, in Some a good basket boat. Here. Yeah. Some good exegesis here. Good exegesis. 
but you, you know, you don't question the things you say, okay, Moses part of the waters. Jesus yeah. walked on water. This is just the, this is the way that it is. Jonah got swallowed by a big fish. Um, and you don't question it, you know, but then later, and especially when you get into seminary as, yeah. a, as a pastor, yeah, you start asking all the questions. Yep. Um, and so for me, it was really kind of getting into seminary that everything started kind of falling apart. <laughs> you know, all these things was like, Oh, well, I had this belief that was this way. And suddenly that thing doesn't hold water anymore. Um, and so then you've got to pick up the pieces and figure out a better way to put the puzzle back together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, um, probably some of the biggest things for me is just learning more context for scripture. Yeah. Um, coming to a, a more, I would say, well-rounded understanding of what scripture is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then how it gets used uh, in all sorts of ways and how to do better exegesis, how to do better, you know, deconstruction, how to better unpack scripture than just to take it at face value and say, you know, well, this says this and that, that's what it means. Yeah. What has it been a spiritual practice either maybe you've developed or something that's been with you for a long time? Um, yeah, for me, it's, I think the biggest spiritual practice is, um, just the, sorry, there's a lot of thunder behind me. Uh, (laughs) if we need to need to edit this out, we can edit that out. I don't know if it came across or not, but there was a massive thunderclap. Um, yeah. So spiritual practice, um, I've always struggled with, um, making prayer a routine part of my life. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it's because it felt like it had to be formal. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, okay, well, if I've, I've got to set aside time and space and I've got to be in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that spiritual practice of prayer has evolved over the years. Um, you know, kind of like, uh, like I would say to anybody, it's like taking time to call your mom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't have time now. Maybe you don't have time later. It was, at some point, you just have to sit down and call, right? You just, <laughs> just pick up the phone, yeah. make a phone call. Um, and I would say the same thing is true with prayer. Right? You know, at some point, you just you just have to make that call and say, hey, God, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing right now. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to check in and say, hey. Uh, it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a particular way. Um, so I think that's one of them. I would say the other spiritual practice is uh, self-care mm. that was, um, you know, I never really thought about self-care until I was pursuing ministry. Yeah. Um, and even I think as much as it was drilled into us in seminary and as much as it was talked about and, you know, we had an entire class on basically self-care. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I got into full-time ministry that I realized, oh, this is exactly why we had this class. Yeah. Um, because so much of ministry is like, is like putting out fires. Um, you know, there's a crisis over here. <laughs> yeah, there's a crisis yeah. over there. You know, this thing needs to get done. The bulletin needs to get done. The service needs to get, you know, you gotta, and nowadays you got to record it. You got to edit it. Yep. And if you're not careful, all of that gets sucked out of you. Right. And you're left with nothing. And so taking the time to say, you know what? I need three hours to go yeah. for a slow hike in the woods. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I'm going to take a nap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus took naps. So I'm, I'm a full believer in the idea that if you need a nap, take a nap. Um, but I think those spiritual practices are probably the things that I've developed most in the last couple of years. Yeah. As it said, Sunday comes every week. <laughs> it does. It does. And I didn't realize how hard it would be sometimes uh, putting together, you know, sermon after sermon after sermon mm-hmm. until I was in it, you know, and sometimes it's like, okay, I had 25 sermons and now I'm, I'm I feel like I'm out. <laughs> right. Charge. Right. Yeah. Cause um, David, I'm guessing David and I both come from the mainline Protestant tradition and a theme in the mainline Protestant tradition is preaching the lectionary uh, which is kind of a compilation of scripture texts for a three-year period. And not about you, David, but I've known for me, like a lot of evangelicals use sermon series, which I've kind of developed an affinity for because just like looking at a text each week and like trying to think of something to say from that text to me just became so exhausting. Yeah, for me, it's um, I used sermon series for a while and I ran into a weird thing in the church where half of the people would come to me and say, Hey, we love sermon series. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're so glad you're not just preaching the lectionary and, 
and we like having a theme that goes with every single month. And then right. the other half of the people would come to me and say, why are you doing these sermon series? You know, I, I really, I like the lectionary and I like being able to know exactly what's coming. And so <laughs> I can read the scripture ahead of time. Yeah. So what I've started doing is developing series based on the lectionary, Yeah. Um, which takes more planning, you know, but to sit down and say, okay, let's read through all the scriptures that are going to come up in September. Yeah. And what's the overarching theme there? Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the message that's coming through? Um, you know, so for right now, I think my, my theme for September is going to be uh, preaching about forgiveness. Oh, it's good. Know, the, the scripture we've got this week is uh, in Matthew. I think it's Matthew 18 uh, talking about, you know, if you've got a grievance with your brother or sister, go and take care of that. And if you you know still have a grievance, you know, but talking about what does it mean to forgive somebody um, and how does that work between us and others and us and God and us and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've preached the lectionary, I've preached series of, I've done just about everything except for uh, some of the other churches out there that will say, okay, we're going to start in like Genesis and we're just going to go <laughs> verse by verse. Yeah. I've never had a desire to. <laughs> Romans for three years. Um, yeah. I'll, I have a book. I, we'll have to talk after this. I have a book you might find helpful. You may already have it about lectionary sermon series planning. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> let's talk about why you're on here. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you about, uh, your work, and I guess you have a partner in this. Uh, his name Russ Danish, Dornish. Yeah, Russell Dornish. Dornish. We want to give him his props. He couldn't be on here today, uh, so we're gonna give a shout out to Russ Dornish. But so uh, David and Russ have a really interesting ministry they've developed uh, called Crossfire Faith and Gaming. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, you know, a second ago I was telling you about self care. Right. And, you know, for me at one point, uh, self-care was reconnecting myself with uh, an attitude of play. Uh, I think as adults, you know, and especially yeah. as adult um, men, just yep. the way that culture is, yep. um, you know, culture says that we have to be producing all of the time. And if we're not producing something, right. um, then we're not as valuable because we're not producing as much as we possibly could. You know, we, yeah. we're looked at as a, as a factory. Um, and so for me, it was... I really had to disconnect myself from the idea that my output was equivalent to my value. Uh, so I wow. said, I'm going to do something that really has no, no value. Right. And, and the weird thing with this is uh, we as a culture accept certain things that have no output value as socially acceptable while other things perhaps have stigma with them. So, you know, if you're binge watching a series on Netflix, mm-hmm. people just say, oh, well, that's totally understandable, you know, because I love that series and that's a thing everybody does. Yeah. If you're uh, training for a marathon, uh, which perhaps has some physical value, it's good for your Uh-oh, good for can your I get body. all the runners mad at us? Um, but, you know, that doesn't, doesn't have any production right. value right. in terms of, you know, additional income. It, right. It, gosh, it's an expensive hobby. Um, yeah, running shoes are not cheap. I can I can tell you that. Yeah. So um, neither are uh, running events. <laughs> you know, if you've ever <laughs> yeah. signed up for a five k yep. or ten k or yep. triathlon. Um, so you know. So I think the idea of doing something that has no particular output value then can reconnect us with the idea that we ourselves have value to God beyond our output. Wow. Right. That we are valuable just because we're human, because God loves us for who we are, mm-hmm. not because we are doing something that's particularly um, productive. Yeah. So so for me, it was about reconnecting with play. It was about reconnecting with um, the play of my childhood, you know, playing sports and playing video games. Yeah. And so I started playing some more video games. I got connected with some friends that played video games. And I realized that there might be a lot of men out there, uh, a lot of people out there, but particularly men who probably feel the same way that I did. Uh Uh, And perhaps there are people out there who are disconnected from their church communities because they don't feel like that's their primary source of community anymore. Yeah. Um, Their primary sense of community is online. I mean, gosh, look at all of us on Facebook these days. Right. We have communities online far deeper than perhaps some of our in-person physical communities. So, yeah. uh, so three years ago, I started asking these questions of like, could there be a faith-based, like, could there be a church 
for gamers. Mm-hmm. It was an online faith-based gaming community. Um, and the answer kind of came back of like, well, I don't know. That's kind of weird, but let's explore it. Um, and as I started forming a group of people that were like-minded that we were going to start talking about this, that group of people that were going to talk about it kind of eventually became the group. Okay. Uh, and so it spread from, you know, eight people to 20 people to now we've got like over 150 people in various ways that are connected in with this community. Wow. Um, we meet on a voice chat once a week and there's usually like, you know, 10 or so of us that meet on there. It's kind of a, a small group. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got a Twitch stream and we've got a Facebook group and, um, but really it's, it's like a church in so many ways that it's just kind of a, it's a community hub where you can bump into other people mm-hmm. that you know have a certain faith background, um, that you know have a certain uh, orientation towards the world and how they're going to approach things. Um, I think that's been helpful because the the other thing that we aimed to help with was the in video game circles, there are a lot of... Um, I'll just say less than kind video gamers. Yeah. Uh, people who like to play games and rage against each other and uh, call each other names and be really unkind. And so we wanted to create a place that said, we're going to, we're going to do games in a way that's where we actually value kindness and we value one another and um, we value connection. So now correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the, maybe it's a misconception of gamers I have is kind of that, loner you know 20 something 30 something dude sitting in his mom's basement so a first of all correct me if that's a wrong conception of gamers but i think on a broader level just if we think about like straight uh men especially straight white men in america like we're you know you're talking about like cultural values like beyond even that kind of men as factories is like men aren't really allowed to have deep even even that emotional connection to other men is really discouraged. So talk about how like it, you've been able to foster connection and maybe break down some of those um, preconceived notions about emotional connection in men. Sure. Um, so first I think it, you know, it's important to recognize um, the demographics when it comes to gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly for me for a long time, I had a preconceived idea that gamers were, you know, 18 to 25 year old single dudes in their parents' basement. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for a time, you know, I was the 18 to 25 year old single guy in my college apartment, um, playing video games. But, um, the average gamer is 35 years old. Okay. Um, men, I think make up 60% of, of gamers and women 40%. Okay. The difference is the type of games we play. Right, you know, where men might be more attracted to, uh, you know, a shoot 'em up game, women might be more attracted to a puzzle game or, you know, okay. some yeah. creative game, Candy Crush, things like that. Yeah. Now, granted, that's a huge generalization, right? right. This, right. Is, this is putting all sorts of things in boxes, and there are women that play shoot 'em up games and guys that play Candy Crush. Um, but I think that in general, um, gaming and gamers is much broader than we think of. Um, the second thing with that, I think, is the you were talking about the social isolation piece. Right, right. And for a long time, I think society's answer to people who feel socially isolated is, well, just get out of the basement and stop being socially isolated. Right. Um, and that's not a helpful thing. I mean, you know, to, to go to an introvert and say, hey, introvert, yeah, why don't you just be people. more extroverted? <laughs> right? Why don't you just show up on Sunday morning and pass the peace of Christ and, yeah. and uh, you know, join our, our – um, Buffet, you know, yeah. what's, what's Let's it go. called? The, where you share food, the <laughs> thing that's not a thing anymore. We can't potlucks. Think. Potlucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, let's go you know, come the, to church. We'll make you talk to people. We'll make you shake hands. Like, and then we'll make you force conversation at the potluck afterwards. Like who doesn't want to come yeah. do that? So I think there's a, there is a need that is there amongst those kind of, those of us that might be more introverted, those yeah. who might find a, a better connection over, you know, online stuff than maybe in person or might find in-person stuff overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are, that the people in this group that I've met, um, they have those kind of deep felt, um, 
I'm just going to say feelings, right? Yeah, they've, yeah. they've got deep feelings and they want to share them and they want to share what's going on in their lives. And, uh, you know, some of them are parents, some of them are single, some of them are, um, they're black, some of them are white, some of them are in all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a guy who had developed um, lymphoma. Wow. And, you know, so we, we prayed over his condition in our group and we kind of walked with him through that. Um, and just this last week on our Discord, we were on there and um, one of the guys was like, hey, just quick, sh- you know, I want to shout out to you guys, uh, let you know what's going on with my brother and here's what's going on. And we prayed over it. Wow. Um, and so it really is kind of a space where we can say, let's break down those walls. Uh, let's break away the idea that being gamers means we have to be tough and we have to uh, be angry all the time <laughs> yeah, uh, or, or be isolated. Yeah. And let's have genuine human connection, even if it's in an online space. And I think the neat thing was some of this, we, pr- we were proving out this idea, this concept um, at a time when people were saying, well, online churches don't really work. Right. That's, that's not really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, fast forward two and a half years, yep. COVID hits and everybody's like, online church is a thing. Online church. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, we know. We've been doing this. Yeah. So. Well, we talked to offline um, kind of about the ways that your community is already like uh, impacting broader communities through raising some money and doing some things to support uh, communities beyond yourself. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, from a financial standpoint, I mean, this is, this is the weirdest thing for me is, uh, you know, a question of like, how do you have an online church that, um, what does the online church look like from a financial standpoint? Yeah. Right. There's on the one hand, there's no building. Right. Uh, so it's a whole lot cheaper to run. Yep. On the other hand, you know, you also don't have, uh, you know, great uncle so-and-so who donated a million dollars to your building campaign and, yep. you know, is going to help fund your youth ministry for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, so it looks different. I mean, our expectations of what we receive from things in an online space is different. Um, but what we do see is that people are willing to be generous mm-hmm. when there's a reason to be generous. Oh. Um, we are we are past the generations of joiners, right? Um, that are the people that just join a cause or an organization because you know it's great to be seen as a part of the organization. Yeah. And and we're now in the times where people are saying, "Well, I want to I want to do good in the world, right? I want to be a part of something that impacts." the world in a positive way. Yeah. And so, you know, if I can contribute to a Patreon fund over here or a PayPal over here, I'm willing to support the causes that I see as worthy. Yeah. Not because they have a particular brand, not because they have a particular uh, sign on the door, but because they're doing good things. Yeah. Um, so we decided that if we're going to raise any money in this group, we want to make sure that it's going towards a good cause. So mm-hmm. we decided that we're going to pick a monthly, um, a monthly charity uh-huh. that's especially in the gaming space, right? This is kind of the, uh, you know, help those that are in your, in your close backyard. Right. So if you're a local church, you want to be helping with local outreach stuff. Right. Um, you know, a local food bank and a local backpack program for kids going to schools. Um, so we as gamers in the gaming community want to help out with the gaming community. So this month for September, we're supporting able gamers, Hmm. um, which helps to bring uh, gaming to all ability levels. And, you know, really it, it helps in um, raising awareness Mm -hmm. in one form uh, to say, Hey, you know, if you're going to create games, have you thought about what it looks like to play games? If you're blind, for instance, Um, we recently had a whole conversation about, uh, how some games now are coming out with much better accessibility options to wow. where you could even play the game if you are if you're fully blind. Wow. Um, and then things like Xbox controllers, where Xbox came out with an adaptability controller to say we recognize that not everybody has the same uh, hands and feet and arms uh-huh. and body, and maybe you're born with only one arm. So how do you play uh, wow. you know, NBA Jam? I guess yeah. not NBA Jam. That's an old game. Yeah how do you play Madden football if you right. only have your right arm? Well, you can have an adaptability controller and then that can connect to a different type of sensor that you can press with a foot pedal or with, wow. you know, an eye movement or something like that. Um, so able gamers raises awareness and, you know, helps to bring gaming to all ability levels. And then later on, I think we're going to support a thing called extra life. 
um, that helps to bring um, game consoles into hospitals for kids that are, you know, in like cancer wards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, look, you, you got to suffer and be in this cancer ward for like two months. Why don't we get you something better than 16 yeah. channels of direct TV? Why don't, yeah. why don't we get you an Xbox? Um, so there's a bunch of j- different uh, gaming charities out there that we kind of aim to support with raising money for Crossfire and then raising money for that charity. That's awesome. Now, do these people in your in your community? I mean, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong. You you consider it a church, yay or nay? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know because I think there's so much baggage associated with the word yeah. church. Yeah. Um, you know, we we sing the song that church is not a building. A right. Church is not a, right. You know, a church is the people. So I am the church, and you are the church, and yes, we're all the church together. Um, and scripture says wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus right. is with us. Um, but I do think the word church, you know, connotes kind of weekly worship and, you know, perhaps sacraments and, yeah. you know, that's something that we still, you know, we don't do communion in this group. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily do a worship in this group. It's, a, it's much more fellowship based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we do pray for one another. We did lead a Lenten devotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about getting a Bible study going, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, so I would I would call it a faith community mm, more than yeah. I would call it a church. Sure, sure. Well, you know, these are all questions that we're wrestling with in this time of COVID and as things shift online and we think about like what are the new ways that people are going to engage with one another uh, with God, especially – and as buildings become more expensive and prohibitive to maintain and keep up. So it's interesting conversations. I did want to talk about briefly, if I could, David, just kind of, we talked before we started recording about how, when you got to Meeker, they're putting in a uh, high speed internet, one, I can't even say it, a gigabyte fiber, which if I'm jealous of for sure. And I'm just thinking about the way you were kind of like an early adapter and how you talk about kind of how you saw this. Cause I think there's an important thing for folks to think about now is recognizing opportunities and resources and kind of trying to jump onto what's already happening. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, the, the thought of broadcasting uh, church when I first got to Meeker yeah. uh, seemed like a natural fit for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have a, a tech background. I've worked in IT before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a video background that my undergrad degree is actually in video production. Uh, and so when I got here and they said they were putting this fiber line, it was like, we should absolutely be streaming. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, you know, especially back then, there was a lot of concern about, you know, well, what's going to happen if you start live streaming the service? Right. Um, Will people and, keep and showing people, up? Right. People might not come anymore. Um, yeah. You know, people will just stay at home in their pajamas. Um, and I think, you know, we're seeing some of that now more because we're live streaming and COVID. Right. And, right. But that's totally different. Um, I always liken it to the analogy of the uh, Turner Broadcasting Company and the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Uh, that and when Turner Chicago Broadcasting... Cubs. When Turner Broadcasting first started broadcasting the Atlanta Braves, there was a lot of concern that people wouldn't show up to the games because hmm. um, if you can watch the, if you can watch Atlanta play baseball from your home, yeah, then you know why why show up to the game? Um, but what they realized was that people actually became fans because they could watch it from home, right? And then because they were more invested, realized well there was actually something different to showing up in in person, yeah. yeah. Um, so my hope has always been that, that, you know, if you're watching from home, that that's going to spark some sort of urge to, to come into in-person worship. The other thing now is I'm, that whole mentality has kind of fallen away because I think that that assumes that in-person worship is somehow more valid than at-home worship. Yeah. Um, now, certainly it's harder to have communion from home. You know, you got to go get your elements and right, if that's the right. thing you're doing or not. Every denomination is yep. different. Yep. Um, but I think that it's it's broadened the horizons. Uh, I know for sure for us, we saw a lot of, uh, you know, pre-COVID times, our online worship was mostly consisted of uh, friends and family members that didn't live in town, but yeah. still kind of wanted to stay connected. Yeah. Um, 
church members who were out of town that particular week, but still wanted to worship live. Yeah. Uh, and so they liked being able to, to join in and worship live. Um, and then every now and then we would see people that were um, people who had never been to the church before. Yeah. Were interested in coming to church, but weren't really sure what it was going to look like when they stepped foot in the door. And so yeah. they wanted to kind of test out the waters. Okay. How is the preaching? What does the building look like? What does it look like for my kids? Mm-hmm. And so they could test the waters online yep. before showing up in person. Obviously, we're we're recording this. It's end of August, and church has been doing this for a long time. But at least the people I'm listening to, David, suggest like churches have to just keep need to keep doing this. Uh, like this is going to be here to stay. Kind of this both even when we go back to in person. I know some churches already are, but the best thing is to just to keep broadcasting online, even if and when you do the in-person. What are some kind of, do you have some easy like do's and don'ts, some tips and tricks for churches? Um, sure. Been doing it for um, so long? Yeah. First, I've got a comment on the, the idea of continuing to do this. Yeah. Uh, and then second, I'll get some, some easy, quick tips and tricks for churches. Yeah. Um, so first off, I think the idea of continuing to do this uh, is is all a question of are we really going to be the people who share God's message with others? Um, that has never been a question of if. It's always been a question of how. And so for a long time, the only way you did that was through getting together and telling stories. And yeah. so you would get together and tell stories around a campfire. And then it was, you know, you would get together and share a meal. And then it was you would get together and you would read the scriptures um, that had been written before. And, you know, and then it was, well, you know, we're all in different languages now. So we're going to get together with a person who can translate the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, and, and slowly but surely that evolved and it changed um, just as, as the Bible has evolved and changed from, you know, originally it was in scrolls and then it was put into a codex and then it was put into an actual book and, and, yeah. you know, and then it's translated and now I've got it on my cell phone. Yeah. Um, the question is of whether we're going to share that message, not what medium it comes in. It's great. So to it's me, great. the idea of church being Sunday morning for an hour in a building with these hymns is such a, a small idea of how we share God's message with, with others. Yeah. And so, you know, if we're unwilling to share in online ways, then I think that's that's keeping the box small that we're putting God into. Um, yeah. So I would say absolutely continue doing online stuff if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can't do it well and it's going to be a, a terrible experience for in-person and online, well, then <laughs> just pick one. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, I would say if you can, there is no reason in my book uh, why you should not share with other people online. Um, that's through a good- an online live stream or, or just recording it and putting it up later. Um, That's a great point. I want to pause that and just say like, I've noticed some churches, I don't know, folks might disagree with me. Like some churches are making their online broadcasts like hard to access. And just think, are you, it's incomprehensible to me. Like I know this is a time where sure we've kind of pulled in for a time to like, you know, circle the wagons to, you know, but we're six months into this. Like now it's time, like, let's, let's adapt to the new normal and keep trying to reach people. Cause if not, like, what are we doing? But go yeah. ahead, go ahead into your uh, tips and tricks. So tips and tricks, I would say, um, number one is make sure your audio is good. Yeah. Um, bad video is far more forgivable mm-hmm. than bad audio. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that we're doing this podcast is a testament to that. Um, most of us are willing to listen to a podcast more so than we would be willing to watch a screen that just had text on it, um, you know, or watch a screen that had bad audio with it. Um, so I would say first, get your audio figured out. Um, second is don't overcomplicate it. Most of us have better cameras in our pockets than what we can pick up at the store. Uh, you know, for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, uh, you know, unless we're willing to spend that kind of money. Yeah. Um, so take a look at the camera that's already in your pocket. You can use that 
it's a camera, it's a computer, it's yeah. an online device. Yeah. You can live stream to Facebook from your phone. Um, but then the question is doing it right. You know, if, you, if you're going to use a phone to live stream your church, yeah. um, don't set it in the back of the room. Set it as close <laughs> to the speaker as you can. Yeah. Uh, speaker being the person who is speaking. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing I would say is, you know, once you've got those kind of things figured out, once you've got a good image and you've got uh, some pretty good audio, then check out your lighting. Yeah. Um, most of us don't consider lighting nearly enough. Um, you're thinking about things like, is your subject well lit? Is yeah. your background not too bright or too dark? Um, things like that, you know, your, your lighting and your composition. Um, but then the, the other thing is just, you know, make sure that the main focus stays on effectively communicating God's message. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that comes in visual form because you've put together an amazing slideshow uh, of images or whether that comes in audio form because you've got a really great poem you're reading, um, make sure that those things are more important than the technical. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've done this before where I've gotten so bogged down in making sure that it is perfectly technically proficient yeah. that I lose track of whether it actually is good content or not. Mm. Um, I remember as a video production person once recording a concert uh, for oh. a friend in the Los Angeles. And you know, my whole goal with that was to make sure that the audio was uh, clear to make sure that the image looked great. And at the end of it, they came up to me and said, so what did you think of the concert? And I said, I honestly don't remember <laughs> any of yeah. the music. Yeah. I just remember that it was technically proficient. Um, and so, you know, making sure that the music is great as well, I think should always be number one. Let me ask you kind of a related question. And uh, thanks for, thanks for going along. We're here. We're kind of off script. I want to ask, like, again, as we go forward, from COVID eventually, at least I hope like, and I think we we're on the same page. Like we churches should probably keep doing this depending on, of course, on their context. Like, I wonder if like, I almost wonder if should the way the service be formatted, I don't know, maybe I'm leaning too far into this. Should it be formatted? Should the format be changed or altered to better resonate with people who are watching from a screen. I think that really depends on your theology of worship. Yeah. Um, I I know for some people it really, it should be a certain way because, you know, theologically these are the things that they're trying to achieve in worship. And these are the, this is the reason that they do A, B, C, D, E. Um, From my standpoint, I think, you know, you do have to make sure that the message fits the medium. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to sit down and you're going to watch a sitcom, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to watch a sitcom on a movie theater screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to watch uh, a Christopher Nolan film on a cell phone. Um, you know, I mean, or, or at least or, you shouldn't. <laughs> right. You probably shouldn't. Well, and that's, yeah. uh, we talked about that lately in our podcast. Right. Christopher Nolan's new film, Tenet, came out and, uh, and he apparently is saying he doesn't want it released digitally because he wants it people to get the full experience. But, oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, things like if you just take an offertory time yeah. and say, okay, we're going to normally do this offertory where we have, you know, three minutes of passing the plate for people to collect. And then you say, okay, now we're going online. So we're going to have three minutes of music and just a slide that people are going to supposedly be giving their money. Like that's, that's not effective use of your time. Yeah. Um, and so I think making sure that your message matches your medium and the way you tell it matches your medium is vitally important. And we so I would probably... say whatever you have to do to change up the service, the other thing to consider is attention spans. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are willing to give you far more of their attention when they've spent 30, 40 minutes, you know, an hour to get themselves up out of bed, driven to church, get their <laughs> hair done, you know, to sit in church and be there. Yep. Then when they are flipping through their phone and, you know, they're flipping past the cat video and then they, <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's right. Church is on. Yeah. And then you got to keep it interesting. Yep. They're not going to give you an hour and a half. Um, they're going to give you maybe 15 minutes. And so, yeah, the question is, can you hold their attention through the first 15 into the second 15 and then say, okay, that's 30 and we're out. <laughs> As I've heard elsewhere, uh, Getting up and walking out of church is far less socially, or yeah, it's far less socially acceptable and and uh, 
convenient than it's just to exit out or scroll on by of a feed. So, uh, and yeah, there's no social consequence. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't announce to everybody, Hey, Lauren just left the room. <laughs> and also I wanted to go back to your medium as a message. Like we could almost take the inverse of that or, or I'm saying at the inverse, like the medium is the message too, because, um, like can producing something to such high extent, like that says something about too your theology and, and right. So you mentioned like the, the, if I can remember how you said it, the message is the medium. And certainly there's that, whatever that famous book is I have in my bookshelf, the medium is the message and how the median or the medium like conveys something about our beliefs and our values too. Right. So that's the other part of it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, because the question is, you know, what medium are you using, mm -hmm. uh, to do this online stuff, you know? And so for me, you know, it's, it's been a struggle because, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons that a lot of people get off of, uh, Facebook as a, um, as a platform, you know, all right. sorts of ethical reasons. And, yeah. You know, so on the one hand, it would be great to get off of Facebook and say, you know, I don't support those things. And so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to choose not to use that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's very difficult because it's become, Facebook has become almost synonymous with online community. Right. So that would be like saying, you know, I, I disagree with our local politics. And so I'm just going to, we're just not going to have church in this town anymore. We're going to move it outside yeah. of town. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Um, you know, but I do think that there's yeah. a question then of, of, are you doing pre-recorded worship? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because you value the production being a certain level. Right. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at is right. the pre-recorded stuff. Um, yep. and then I interact in the chat when I've mm -hmm. been doing it. Yep. Um, or are you doing, you know, a lot of people are doing zoom worship yep. because they value the face-to-face -face interactions. Right. Um, right. You know, which is great if your people are willing to do zoom. Right. Um, but then you also kind of might suffer a little bit from the technical standpoint of, of the experience, you yeah. know? So, um, kind of like a, a movie theater. Yeah. You know, you could, you could have a movie theater that is also serving dinner, but if it, if the dinner serving is interrupting your movie watching experience, then perhaps it's not the best movie watching experience. So yeah. you know, is your worship experience more, uh, is it enhanced because of the way that you're producing it or, or the way that you're connecting people, uh, or is something about your, the way you're connecting people detracting from that experience? Mm. Um, and I can't, I can't answer that because yeah. I think every community is different and really needs to assess what medium is best for what message they're conveying. Yeah. The, the Facebook example you bring up is such a hard, hard point. I, I know in seminary, we, I took a class on like social media in the church and that was one of the questions we wrestled with. Like social media can be such an unhealthy, toxic place, but like you said, like it's where everybody is. So to some extent, like, I don't know if, if it's fair to talk about Paul's like being, who was it wrote being in the culture, but not of the culture. Yeah. Paul talk, yeah. talked about that. You know, for the sake of the Jews, I became a Jew and for right. the sake of the, I, I don't remember the whole scripture, but, um, you <laughs> know, I, I kind of talked about that with, uh, with gaming, you know, there's, there's been some things that I normally would not have put myself into, Yeah, you know, cause I'm, I'm a certain type of gamer, you know, I play yeah. certain types of games, but you know, for the sake of this gaming community, I've been trying to broaden my horizons and trying to kind of stay involved in the news and, and up on what's going on in the gaming world because I think it's, it's valuable. You know, I can't yeah. be the leader of a gaming community and not know what's going on in the gaming world. Just like I can't lead a church community and be completely oblivious to what's happening in my community. Yeah. Um, well, good, good conversation. Let's take a break here and sure. we'll come back with some closing questions. Looking for a progressive, inclusive church that allows you to ask questions, explore your faith, and connect with God? Check out Mission Gathering Thornton, a community of Jesus followers dedicated to growing in faith, living whole lives, and seeking justice for the good of all. As an online church with incarnational communities, we're meeting together online and in person with opportunities for you to connect with people across the street and all over the world. 
So visit us at mgthornton.org. Find us on Facebook and YouTube. We'd love to have you be a part of this life-giving community. All right, we're here again with David, Reverend David Petty. And these are some closing questions you can take as seriously or not as you'd like to. If you're a Pope for a day, is there something you'd like to accomplish? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, it'd be really fun to just like walk the Vatican and, uh, you know, explore all the places that most of us probably couldn't go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think if I were Pope for a day, I'd probably spend a long time asking myself what the best use of that office would be. Mm. Uh, how could I do the most good with the time that I have? Good, good. Uh, is there a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? Um, I would love to bring back to life uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ah. Um, I think it would be fascinating to talk, you know, theologically with him, yeah. I think would be, be interesting. Uh, I would love to hear his commentary on everything going on today. Yeah. Um, you know, how things have changed for the better and how things have changed for the worst in the church and in the world. Yeah. Uh, since he passed, since he was killed. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the first answer that I would have. Cool. You know, obviously Jesus would be neat too. But. <laughs> we got to say Jesus too, right? Um, what about like a Phyllis Tickle who you may be aware of has talked yeah. about like this kind of being like a 500 year cycle what do you think like will be the biggest thing we're remembered for in this time and place? Um, my guess is that especially with 2020 being what it has been. Yeah. Um, my guess is that history, history will look back on the church before and the church after COVID mm, yeah. uh, as the church before and the church after being online. Um, I, I expect that we will look at a time when the church building was most important yeah. versus a time when the church community was most important. Yeah. Um, I remember just a tiny side story. Uh, I used to work in IT at the Iliff School of Theology okay. uh, while I was a student there. And we kind of would joke about it because the, while I was a an IT person and while I was a student, we saw the shift from – a majority of the students being in person yeah. to, you know, a majority of the students being online yeah. uh, to now I would say a vast majority of the students are online. And I think right. this year they're probably all online. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we used to joke about, you know, we'd spend so much money and time and effort and resources on our physical building and how much time and effort and energy and resources are we spending on our online infrastructure yeah. because the reality is I said, you know, if the building burnt down tomorrow, mm -hmm. we would still have classes. Right. But if our internet got shut off, we would seriously struggle. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and so that was kind of a joke, but it was, it was really a look at saying at some point we got to recognize the building is not as important as it once was. Whoa. And so for all of us looking at, at church before COVID and after COVID, you know, before 500 years and after 500 years, yeah. at some point we might have to realize that our large physical monuments to Christianity yeah. just aren't what they once were. Um, and we have to build new community wide monuments, monuments of the things we're doing, not just the buildings we're building. Um, to say that church is making a difference in that community. Good stuff. Good stuff. I was listening to a evangelical podcast talking about just the statistics of attendance pre COVID and post COVID. And it's pretty horrifying, especially among like millennials um, who, you know, the quote unquote future of the church. So um, yeah, that's a great point. Do you have any guess what future or going 500 years into the future, what Christianity might look like? Hmm. The year 2520. Right. Um, right. gosh, that's, that is so far. I, that's yeah. a really tough, uh, that's a tough call to make. Um, I do think that my guess is going 2,500 years in the future, uh, you know, further archeological and historical developments and understandings. And, uh, those things I think will bring to light more, uh, depth in Christianity. Oh, uh, I think that, 
2,500, you know, the year 2,500, not 2,500 years into the future. Yeah. Um, my guess is that we will have uh, kind of hopefully a, a conglomeration of church oh. uh, that, you know, where we've been spending so many years splitting apart <laughs> yeah. for so long that we yeah. might be willing to say, and I think so many of us have seen this in COVID times to say, okay, we're going to put aside our differences because mm-hmm. coming together is more important. Yeah. Um, certainly within the United Methodist church, you know, we were on the brink of a split and we're kind of right. like, all right, we're going to push that aside. Oh, and my hope is that maybe when we come together in 2021, we are more willing to listen to one another having gone through this kind of community worldwide trauma wow. and say, we actually value community and togetherness more than wow. our entrenched positions. So that's, that's a hopeful attitude, I think. Um, yeah. But I but hope that we're more unified in, in 500 years than we ever have been. What a amazing possible consequence. I mean, we'll see, right? That's just your hope, but what, a, we'll what see. an amazing consequence. Well, this has been a great conversation, so thank you so much for your time, but where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Sure. So uh, our online faith community uh, of Crossfire Faith and Gaming, uh, you can find our community on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash groups slash XFUMC, X for Cross, F for Fire, UMC for United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have got a Facebook page. We've got an Instagram that doesn't have anything on it yet, but it, it's there. Uh, I'm working on the web say, website, um, so it's not there yet, but hopefully sometime soon that'll be up. Um, we can find us on Twitch, uh, which is an online gaming streaming service. Uh, so we're on there as Crossfire Podcast. And then uh, if you're interested in what I'm doing over at Meeker United Methodist Church, you can find that at meekerumc.org or just search the web for Meeker United Methodist Church and you can learn more about our church. Uh, And we do stream on Facebook. Uh, We've been streaming our pre-produced worship services and uh, starting next week, we're actually going to be live streaming again from the sanctuary because the uh, wonderful benefit and, uh, you know, also the detriment of being in a tiny town is you know, we are very isolated. Yeah. And so we've got nearly zero COVID cases for a long time. I think our, yeah. our highest is we're at like 21 total Wow. in the entire county. Hmm. So, uh, so we're going to be social distancing. We're going to be wearing masks, but we're going to be live streaming from the, the sanctuary next week. So awesome. Well, find that you. out there. Thanks again so much for your time and uh, may, may God's peace be with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren, for having me on God's peace be with you as well. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. But hey, before you go, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Thanks, and go in peace.